Hey, it's Heidi Rain. Welcome back to another episode of Addiction, Codependency, and Toxic Relationship Recovery. Today, we're going to talk about something on a more somber note. The worst possible thing has happened. And I'm going to share with you what that worst possible thing is and give you a little bit of hope, a little bit of guidance, what to do when the worst thing imaginable happens. Now, just so you know what I'm talking about, I was received an email from one of our listeners to the podcast and viewers of our YouTube videos. And he said, I'll read, I'm actually going to read it. I'm going to keep him anonymous, but read what had happened. So just so you know, I'm going to talk about things in here that might be sensitive. So what I want to make sure of is that you're in a safe space. You have your ear pods in, uh, you're, you're alone. I mean, this is kind of the worst possible thing you can imagine happening. So if you're listening to this, make sure it's out of the ears of, out of the ears of littles and, and we'll, we'll get down to it. So this is such an important topic to talk about because it's probably on your mind uh, as one of the biggest reasons you stay inside of this relationship with an addict or alcoholic. And what's the biggest fear? What's the biggest fear? What's the worst possible thing that could happen is that the fear in our minds is if I leave, they will die. And I want to talk to you about what happened to somebody who wrote in, who told me of this very experience and give this person who wrote in who said there are no resources on the internet for when this kind of thing happens, even though he's in therapy, he was hoping for some words of encouragement or words of wisdom. And I certainly can share with you both of those things from personal experience and also from the decade that I've been doing this work, specifically with addicts, alcoholics, and family members. So I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to share my screen with you, and I'm going to pull up the email that he sent. And I've taken out like identifiers of, of so we can remain anonymous. But let's go ahead and pull this up. Okay. So I'm going to read this to you. If you're watching the podcast or listening to the podcast, you're just listening anyway, but hopefully you can see this screen here. It says, hello, Heidi. Thank you for your YouTube videos. They recently helped me find the courage to leave a seven-year codependent relationship with an active alcoholic and stick to my convictions to move out and prioritize my own healing. About two months after I moved out, I found her deceased body in the apartment we shared. She died of organ failure from her disease. I knew that her health was in very dire shape, but after much effort, had determined that I lacked the power to get her to actually do something about it. As you know, part of the story you tell yourself in codependency is that you're the only one standing in between this person and death or destruction. This thought pattern traps you as you feel there is no option to leave and it is akin to a death sentence. I've been trying to take an active role in unlearning this thought pattern when I had it wholly reinforced and apparently confirmed by the course of events. I'm just wondering if you can share any thoughts or suggestions about my situation. I feel like it's an inevitable contingency that when you do finally find the courage to leave, some of the time the other person's rock bottom will be their death but I haven't really found so much content or resources addressing this specific situation. I'm already seeing two therapists to work on my trauma and grief. So I have some point of profession, some of the professional mental health support covered already. I'm just wondering if you can point me to any resources that might apply or otherwise offer any advice for me. Thanks so much for your work. Anonymous. Okay. Let's stop share. And let me come back and talk about this with you for a little bit. That is probably the worst thing any of us can imagine. And if you're in a situation with an addict or an alcoholic, that's probably the story you tell yourself is that it probably rings true for you, right? That's a familiar 
he wrote that so beautifully. Like I'm the only one standing in the, in between the death or destruction of this person. And we really come to believe that. And then once we convince ourselves, otherwise I have no control. There's nothing I can do. What ends up happening is we leave and sometimes they end up passing away. The first thing I want to say is this, and I've seen this happen. You can set a boundary in your own mind with this person and still be in the house and realize you have no control or what have you. And the only difference is when a person passes away from their addiction is you were present or not present, but not that you influenced or actively participated in the expediating of that um, occurrence. So meaning that could have just as easily happened and probably inevitably would have happened even if you would have stayed in the house because that's the nature of this disease is death and destruction. P.S. Whether you're there or not, it is the end result whether you're there in the house or not. And I have had many families stay the course and believe I'm the only thing separating them between death and destruction and wake up in the morning and their loved ones are gone, even though they're laying right next to them. So the story that you leaving had anything to do with how this disease progressed is, is a story. It's just that. But now I say that on the one hand, but on the other hand, I honestly also believe that as enablers, we play a bigger role in expediting the process of somebody dying from this disease disorder than we do when we actually leave. Meaning research has shown that, you know, when people are home and they, they're dealing with an addiction alcoholic in their lives and they're kind of going about status quo, they're sweeping it under the rug or they're lecturing or blaming or putting up with it and still like dinners on the table every night and all the bills are paid and there's the, all they have to worry about is getting high on a daily basis. And so for this person that's in a situation like that, sometimes when we co-sign that arrangement and we're feeding them and we're clothing them and we're going on about our merry way, we make it almost easier for them to continue to self-destruct more so than when you leave a situation where somebody has an opportunity to fend for themselves, think for themselves, pick themselves up by their bootstraps, get moving in the right direction. Uh, if that, that has a better chance sometimes of having people get better than actually staying in it and co-signing it for longer periods of time. So this people, people pass away from addiction because that's the inevitable result of the disorder, the, the brain, the, the psychological disorder until they have intervention and continue to support and therapy and recovery around them. That is the inevitable thing for everybody if there is no support, right? Or intervention. But, you know, I don't know if that helps, you know, because at the end of the day, you're still a helper. I'm still a helper. We're still fixers by nature. That's why we end up in these scenarios. We're like magnets to people that need us, right? Because we are a great support system and and are, are compassionate and kind. And so there's still that element of could I've done something different? This is why it's so important that... And I'm committed to this mission of codependency and addiction and the breakthrough here and, and all, putting all the moving pieces of the puzzle together, because I do believe that in order for us to move on, to leave a relationship with an addict or an alcoholic or you know, stand our ground and want to go on and do our own therapy, our own healing, I don't, I don't want to ever leave a situation until I know without a shadow of a doubt, I've done absolutely everything I can do.
right? So what we call that is I, I call that with our addiction, you know, spouses group and coaching that I do, like you want to be able to sleep at night, you know, I have peace in my heart. I knew I did everything I could. I'm willing to bet that if you look back on all the efforts that you put into this uh, relationship in the seven years, you tried to lecture and get into treatment and did everything you possibly could, you 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 will probably recognize that you in fact have done absolutely everything you could do and then you can let go of the illusion that there's this missing thing well if i just would have done that one thing see that's that's what the codependent tells themselves that keeps them stuck in that codependent loop well maybe it's just this no this is the next thing i can do or that's the next thing i can do so here's what i want to just offer up personally my dad was an alcoholic my my entire life. And I, I I spent my whole life wanting to just fix him and rescue him. And there were so many times I would move back home and just stay with him in periods of his despair or his worst time and his alcoholism thinking, if I just was there, I would prevent him from dying. I would prevent him from many times, take the keys out of his hand, prevent him from um, wrecking or hurting himself or somebody else, you know, driving him home when he couldn't, or, you know, uh, just, preventing major disaster from happening. And I, as a kid, had that mentality. As long as I'm here, as long as Heidi's here, we're safe. Everybody's going to be okay because I can manage this and I can keep it under control. And I really believed that for a very, very long time. And then when I started working in the treatment uh, center where I got most of my education for 10 years, I was in the clinical supervision, you know, in programs and uh, uh, as part of a, a, a clinical team of experts, uh, me as a coach and a teacher and psychologists and therapists and all of us together working inside of this treatment center, it took me 10 years of experience to really understand what it means to know you have no control, no matter how good you are, no matter how much you know, that ultimately is an inside job of that light being turned on and somebody else to pursue their own recovery. But I had to relearn that lesson every time I lost somebody in treatment. And unfortunately, we helped thousands of addicts and alcoholics recover, but we lost hundreds along the way. And I mean that, hundreds along the way. And you can imagine every time somebody passed, there was this sense of, could I have done something different? And each time I would ask myself that question, I'd say, that's an illusion. That's me being hooked into this lie, this codependent lie that says I'm in control of things. I I can fix this, and I have more influence than I believe. You know, more control over this than I do. But it still didn't help me when my dad came into treatment. You know, finally my dad checked himself into treatment, and I was still running to save the day. And and I knew that when he was there for three months in, in our treatment center, and it was an unbelievable time. Uh, he was sat in on my groups I was teaching, adult children of alcoholics group, where my dad was in the front row. I mean, I have stories about these this opportunity that I had for 90 days to, uh, you know, be a teacher inside of the treatment center where my dad was a student. It was pretty unbelievable and life-changing in many ways. But at the end of the day, it was about to get released and it was Thanksgiving time. And uh, I knew that home should not be where he went after treatment, right? Because home, there was still like the codependency was still going on in this partnership, the relationship that he was in. I knew that if he, you know, she she was on this ride for 40 years with him. So it wasn't going to be like she would, I, I encouraged her. I said, hey, look, if he comes, if he comes home and he's under the influence, you know, don't co-sign that, get him out and send him back into treatment. You know, she had the education. She, she, you know, 
but it's up to her to follow through. So the right thing to do is not to play savior. It's to get somebody back into a treatment center, right? Get somebody into a place where they're equipped, where people can handle it. Even if you're the person that's going, I've tried that already. I've done that a million times. Nothing seems to work. You never know. Treatment's like a combination lock. Sometimes they go in and all numbers pop open. And other times it takes more than one time to get that thing right. Anyhow, I knew when my dad was going to go home that it was not a safe situation for him. And I did not feel good about it at all. And I remember also knowing that him living with me was also not a good situation, even though I'm an addiction professional, I'm a mental health professional. I knew, I know what I'm doing. I knew as a daughter, that wasn't the role that I was going to be successful in playing at babysitting or, uh, you know, monitoring my dad. Okay. So I, but I knew he was still in danger. So uh, we were in a therapy session and I knew so I could sleep at night. What's the, what's the thing I can do, right? Because I've got to intervene somehow, still knowing I have no control so that I can sleep at night. And basically we're in a therapy session and I looked at him and I said, dad, I don't think you should go home. I think you should go home is dangerous. I think that you should go into a halfway situation where you go with other mature in a mature house. You know, my dad was in his sixties at the time, you know, go into a mature house where you're able to be around men your own age and be sober and have that experience. And, and he looked at me and he was like, rain. That's why dad called me my whole life. Rain. I'm, I'm not going into a halfway house. You know, I miss my half halfway house. I mean, he's from Pittsburgh, you know, he was like, I'm, I'm going home. I, I miss my house. I miss, you know, uh, I, I miss my wife. I miss my dog. You know, I'm done here. I've been here 90 days. That was, by the way, that was like a miracle that he even stayed 90 days because he just wanted to come for 30 days. Right. But he stayed for 90 and I was never more proud of him in my life, but I knew he was going to go home and I knew I had no control, but so I could sleep at night. I made one last effort and I looked at him in his eyes and I said, dad, I love you. And I don't think you should go home. I believe if you go home, you'll die. And I'm going to tell you from the depths of my being, I knew because I saw the outcome of this addiction. If there's no intervention, if there's no treatment option, then people pass away from this inevitably. Okay. So if we, I'm devastated that my father passed. He's He's gone eight years now, right? And now I can finally tell the story without crying and, and being devastated. Because even though I knew I did the best I could, I still grieve the loss. But I'm happy that I know that I did the best I could. I'm happy I can sleep at night because I know I did everything I could do to possibly give him the help to, to intervene. And I know you did too. I know you're on this path and you've shown treatment brochures and you've listened to Heidi Rain and you listen to Amber Hollingsworth and you're doing all the things and you're you've taken some courses and you're you're doing all the things. Now rest in that. Rest in that knowing that there are even if you do everything you can, you have to leave it over. And the only difference would have been that you would have been in the house when that happened than out of the house when that happened, because that was destined to happen, not because you were in and out of the house, but because that person never went to treatment or started recovery. People don't pass away because we're not there or we are home or we're not home or we moved out or we, people pass away from addiction because they're not in a treatment center or actively working their recovery. They don't pass away because you weren't home. Does that? Does that drive it home? Okay. Now let's say you're listening to this and you're like, oh, wait a minute. I don't know if I've done everything I could do. 
you know, I, I, when they talk about going into treatment, I say things like, yeah, well, let's see how that works this time. I discourage them. They, they pay the bills. I don't want them to go away to treatment. I don't want them to leave me for 30 or 60, 90 days. I don't want them to go in a halfway house because I want them to come home instead and be back home and get into their responsibilities. Then I'd say for you to be able to sleep at night, schedule a consultation with me so we can enact the best possible action plan for recovery. What I do in those strategy sessions with you is I walk you through the best possible, best practice to help somebody, to influence them, to know you did everything you possibly could. Everybody that I've ever worked with, and I have had loss in the time we had, a, we had, we've been, had a group recently where in the middle of the group, somebody passed that this, this does happen. We've also had another participant in the middle of our group where she had an inkling they were going to pass and she did what she believed in and offered intervention and saved his life. There's we 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 until we have assistance in this thing and professional guidance to be able to know, hey, I'm doing everything I could possibly do. I I think that that question's always going to be there. That's why I think it's so important to seek that professional support to know not your girlfriends or your your best friends or your family that's telling you god love them they love you but they're saying get out of here and you're like i can't just go i'm afraid the word i that's real that's real so let's get a plan in place schedule a strategic session if you want to do that do that right now today go over to heidirain.com and schedule it so that i can work with you to know even if you know you're going to leave, even if you know the marriage is over, the relationship is over, you want out of this thing and you're afraid because you don't know what's going to happen when you leave, let's strategize to make sure you've done absolutely everything you can before you go. That's what I can offer. All right. And now for you who wrote me the email, you're in good hands. It sounds like you're in grief counseling. It sounds like, you know, you, you have these two therapists that you're working with to help you through it. And if you ever want to schedule a session with me to connect or uh, join one of our groups, our semi-private uh, coaching experiences, so that you can start to heal from all the shrapnel that's been caused after you get out of this acute phase and you're ready to move beyond the acute um, grief process, then consider our toxic relationship recovery course with deals with all the shrapnel and all the lies that get instilled as a result of being in a relationship with an average alcoholic. So I, I want to do a couple things, right? I want to help you help your loved ones and know you did everything you possibly could. And if we can save that thing, let's save it, let's fix it, let's turn it around. And if we can't, and you have to exit, know you did everything you possibly could the, the right way, which a lot of people get wrong. I'm gonna tell you that right now. You did it the right way. And then you can heal from all the damage done. You can heal, right? So uh, hopefully my friend who wrote me this email, this has been helpful for you. And thank you so much for listening and taking the time to send me that email and you as well listening now, uh, anybody else who might be listening. If you want an answer to that question and you want help uh, to know you did everything you could, then then don't, don't delay. Go ahead and schedule that session so we can figure that out together and put you on the right in the right direction so that you know um, you're doing not only what you believe in, but what's proven strategic, strategically to actually help. All right. I love you. Take excellent care and I'll see you really soon. Bye-bye.